This is AM Odd Man Rush. I'm your host, Alex Mitchell. The New York Islanders are on the verge of their best season in 27 years. They're up three games to one on the Philadelphia Flyers in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Tonight, they could go to the Eastern Conference Final for the first time since 1993 and face the Tampa Bay Lightning. AM New York Metro Sports Editor Joe Pantorno spoke with Barry Trotz today ahead of tonight's critical Game 5. Joe, we're going to go to you now. Joe, did you get much sleep last night? Because I did not. Hey, Alex, thanks again for having me. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to be honest. Uh... Even if I don't have a horse in this race anymore, like I used to, uh, you find yourself thinking about it when you're when you're laying there, and you know my fiance kind of rolls over and she's like, "What are you thinking about?" And you know you say hockey, and then she thinks that you're lying and that something's wrong. But really, in reality, <laughs> it's it's just hockey. It's like that. Um, it's like that meme, you know, where it's like he's probably <laughs> thinking about. <laughs> right, he's probably thinking about other women, and then you are thinking about. Oh, I wonder who Barry Trotz is going to start in net tonight. Yes, and uh, and we will get to that. But first and foremost, for anyone that has, um, like the Geico commercials say, lived in a cave or lived under a rock for a while, fill us in on what's going on tonight. Well, uh, this is it. Uh, well, I should say this is the first chance of this being it for the New York Islanders. Uh, 3-1 lead over the Philadelphia Flyers in the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. One more win, and they are through to the Eastern Conference Final for the first time since 1993. Uh, and they will obviously be playing a very desperate Flyers team that is going to be coming out and throwing their best at the Islanders tonight. Uh, but as we've seen throughout the playoffs, um, the Islanders have been able to kind of repel those desperate teams. And luckily they've built a large enough cushion in their two previous series where they've been able to you know, drop a game uh, like we saw them do uh, in their first tries at elimination against the Panthers and the Capitals. Um, and then Barry Trotz, the mastermind that he is, makes the necessary adjustments. And uh, the closeout games have both been uh, pretty large statements. So uh, I think a lot of Islanders fans are hoping for tonight that won't be the case. And uh, they will make it, uh, I guess, as easy for their nerves as possible. Uh, because going into this game... Uh, Elaine Vigneault and the Flyers, they're all united in the same message. All they want to do is take one game. They want to take game five. And I'm going to quote Elaine Vigneault here. It's just to put a little bit of doubt in the Islanders' minds. Um, and we know how big momentum is in hockey. And uh, if, if the worm starts to turn, uh, you never know what happens. So uh, there will certainly be an urgency tonight for the Islanders to close this out. Now, when you go back to what Elaine Vigneault said about putting doubt in the Islanders' minds, I think Barry Trotz, after Game 4, said something that puts doubt in not just the Flyers' minds, but everyone who's ever watched hockey. And the quote I'm referencing is when he said that he thought that that Game 4 victory was the worst game the Islanders had played in these playoffs. Now, Part of me, and I know we've discussed this off-air, part of me thinks he said that just to intimidate the Flyers and say, at our worst, we beat you when you were at your best. And I want to hear what you have to say on that. And I know you spoke to Barry today. You have some stuff 
from Anders Lee that we want to get into coming into the matchup. But uh, that's a quote that really stuck with me because it makes me think about what kind of a psychological factor is happening going into tonight. Right, and it's it's a little bit of gamesmanship on Trotz's part, uh, like you sort of alluded to. Him saying that they played their worst game in the playoffs, and yes, they still came away with the win. Uh, that's one thing, and that's certainly an enormous red flag for the Flyers, just knowing that you know we threw almost everything we could at the Islanders in Game 4, uh, and we still couldn't find a way to win. Um, and, I mean, sure, there was a, an abundance of missed opportunities on Philadelphia's part. Uh, their scoring touch in front of, uh, I guess in this case it was Thomas Grice, uh, their scoring touch has been severely lacking. Uh, Claude Giroux is mired in probably one of the worst droughts of his career. Um, but at the same time, uh, not only is this uh, a statement that might kind of creep into the back of the Flyers' heads, um, this is something that Barry Trotz has told his team to ensure that they don't get too high on themselves. We know that this team's mantra is one game at a time. We know it's nose to the grindstone. We know it's looking at the right now instead of looking a little too far ahead or looking at the overall picture. It's simply look at who we're playing tonight, look at the situation that we're in tonight, and make the necessary adjustments to succeed. Um, so I think it's, I mean, it, it's a heady display from the head coach, uh, knowing that you're in the semifinals of a, a conference playoff, and you're telling your team that just took a three-one lead that they just played the worst game uh, that they played in the postseason. Um, so I think the Islanders are going to go into this game obviously knowing that they're going to get their best from the Flyers, but at the same time, uh, they know that. They have to up their game just that much more, uh, not just to keep up with Philadelphia, um, but to also kind of appease their coach and to make sure that the system that has carried them this far remains intact. Now, going into tonight, and it, it, it just, it, um, how do I put this? I've never felt this, what I'm feeling here. I'm only 24. I wasn't alive for the 93 team. I have struggled being able to put into words the sensation that I'm feeling. As I've talked about on other shows with you, I'm often very uneasy and very nervous about games. Even when the Islanders were playing the Panthers and the Islanders were favored in that, it never felt like anything came easy or how it's supposed to. And there's just, now I feel very eager. I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel eager for what is to happen tonight. And I'm not talking about a victory. I'm talking about just the game. I don't want to do that thing that I've been accused of doing many times, which is ruining a team season. I kind of worked on the Yankees yesterday, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, so right now you've seen Semyon Varlamov set the New York Islanders shutout record for a playoff series shortly after that. And this is, this is an Islanders record. That's how I like to describe this. This is a New York Islanders record. He sets an incredible record, beats battling Billy Smith in what was about nine shutout periods of hockey in the playoffs. 
And then that same period where he sets the record, he allows three goals and gets pulled from the net. That, that's an Islanders record to me. That, that's something that no team, no matter what, they could not replicate that if they tried. But then Thomas Grice comes in. He's had plenty of playoff experience before. He's confident. He knows what he's doing in net. And in that game four, even game three, he was a star. He was a lights-out goaltender. Now, I'm going to put you behind the bench for a second. Joe, if you're coaching this Islanders team, who do you start tonight? Well, just going off of the track record, I'm going to assume that they're going to start Semyon Varlamov. Uh, because even when he came out and he kind of had that dud uh, after setting out setting the shutout streak in Game 2, um, they pulled him Grice. He came in and performed incredibly admirably, stopped 18 and 19 shots in his first real action uh, in about five months. Um, and what did Trotz do? He went right back to Varlamov for Game 3. Uh, he went right back to him as a vote of confidence, uh, as a way of saying that you're my number one guy, and Varlamov, you know, he stepped up and he, uh, he answered the call. Um, and obviously the reason we saw Grice in game four uh, was to ensure that Varlamov has enough rest because it was a back-to-back situation. Um, it might not be the last time that happens either, uh, depending on how the rest of this series goes. But at the same time, Trotz hasn't tipped his hand for who's starting in goal tonight. And we'll probably find out when the starting goalie leads the team out onto the ice during pregame warm-ups, which is roughly 6.30, uh, you know, a half hour before a 7 o'clock start. Um, but Trot said this morning that when it comes to the decision he has to make for who to start in net tonight, uh, he said, I can't make a poor choice. Uh, and that really speaks volumes about where the Islanders are and the sort of embarrassment of riches that they have in the crease because we've seen it amongst other teams before uh in the playoffs and particularly we saw it uh in the tampa bay lightning boston bruins series uh tuka rask opted out for the rest of the postseason and boston was left with yaroslav halak and islanders fans are obviously very familiar with him um and it's difficult to blame him for their elimination loss in game five last night but in the same breath um, you know, Boston doesn't nearly have the same kind of goaltending depth that the Islanders have. You can say that the Tampa Bay Lightning behind Andre Vasilevsky don't have the same goaltending depth as the Islanders have. Uh, we're seeing the Colorado Avalanche kind of struggle um, when Philip Grubauer, their number one goaltender, went down. Um, and again, same thing with the Dallas Stars. I mean, you're relying on Anton Kudobin to kind of keep these things alive. So really, the Islanders are are blessed at the goaltending position and it kind of speaks volumes as to how confidence Trotz is feeling about it. Uh, you know, he, he didn't have to say that. He didn't have to say, you know, I, I can't make a poor choice if I, if I wanted to, um, you know, he could have just kind of played it coy and, uh, you know, stuck to the cliches that we're so familiar with hockey players saying nowadays or hockey coaches. Um, so really, um, at this point, I, I'm not really sure if it matters uh, who the Islanders put in that. I personally would put Varlamont back in there. Even though, I mean, Grice has been fantastic. It's nothing against him. Um, I think at this point, it just comes down to familiarity with the defense. Um, 
you know, they just know the certain nuances about Varlamov's play in and out of the net, puck distribution, things like that, because um, he has been the bell cow in the crease throughout the postseason. Um, and Ryan Pulak kind of alluded to it today when he was talking about the difference in goaltenders. Um, he, he said it really wasn't much of a difference, and it really doesn't um, change the way the defense plays. Um, but at the same time, when Barry Trotz says that the Islanders played their worst game of the postseason while Thomas Grice was in net, um, granted he was fantastic, um, and you kind of look back at things, you could see that the defense was a little bit shaky. Um, and Grice, had it not been for some incredible saves that he made, because he made at least three game-changing saves that night, uh, we're looking at a 2-2 two two series. Uh, the, the Flyers could have easily popped five past him. So I think in that respect, Barry Trott sees that and understands that, well, you know what, the defense is probably playing a little bit better with Varlamov in net. Uh, things are just a little bit more rigid. It's a little bit more of that Islander's way of hockey. Uh, so, again, for this long-winded answer, for that reason, I think that we'll see Varlamov in net. All right, so it's looking more like, and like Trot said, Either way, he's got a wall between the pipes. That's not what he's worried about. But for the other skatesmen, for the defense, Semyon Varlamov comes in. He has a little bit more experience working with them, and it's a little bit tighter. And perhaps, just perhaps, that means a few less <gasps> gut-wrenching shots and saves and, and things like that where you hear the organ at the Coliseum go, dun, dun, Barley, dun. So, sorry, getting ahead of myself. Um... I, I, I miss going to these things, but it, it's just very, it's a very surreal moment that the Islanders have put together the team's best season since the early 1990s, and tonight it, it could just get better. And that's something, Joe, we haven't been alive for, and... Just personally, because I know you've been a devout follower of this team for years and years, seeing where they are now, seeing how things are going, what are you thinking? How have you been feeling about this? Because it, it almost feels personal in a way, especially on a year like this. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. And... Um, you know, it's one of these instances where there's really not much rhyme or reason in terms of explanation. It's just one of these moments where um, Islanders fans just have to sit back and relax and enjoy the ride. And, and now that I've said that, I think I'm just going to take out the relaxed part because that's not going <laughs> to happen by the, by the time a puck dropped. Um, but this whole season, this year, it's been, I mean, it, it's just been a whirlwind. It's the hockey season has been an anomaly. These playoffs have been a one-off, hopefully once-in-a-lifetime situation in this bubble. Um, but at the same time, uh, while you know, I think at the end of the day, we're all wishing that there could be stands in the fan, uh, fans in the stands. Excuse me, uh, fans in the stands at Nassau Coliseum to take in these games and to root the Islanders on. Um, I really think that the bubble has helped 
the Islanders, and it's played into their strengths because other teams can't kind of garner momentum from, you know, their fans or even traveling fans, however you want to call it. Um, again, Barry Trotz alluded to this today. Um, you, when you're in the bubble, you're creating the momentum from your bench. You're creating it from within your ranks, from within the locker room, uh, from within the relationships of teammates and coaches. And everything that we've heard about the Islanders, from the players to the coaches to the upper management, this team is a family. Uh, this team is the perfect blend, which, again, kudos to uh, Lou Lamarillo for finding these right pieces. This is a team that can go into an unprecedented situation and still find a way to play their game. Uh, we've seen instances where teams that are on the brink of elimination or even flirting with the prospect of elimination, we've kind of seen them shut down. Um, we've seen teams look disinterested. And you and me and hockey fans everywhere, um, you know, when you're in, a, in an arena with – 18 to 20,000 fans, that never happens. Um, so I think a lot of it has to do with teams maybe not being into it. And, of course, you're going to have your fair share of detractors that come in and try to take this amount of success away from the Islanders. But at the same time, it's a whole new, different set of challenges. And the Islanders have been able to adapt quicker and better than most teams within this bubble. And that's why they're here. And that's why they are on the prep. Oh, I always have problems with that word. Uh, precipice of a birth into the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time in 27 years. So, um, you know, take it for what it's worth this year. Enjoy the ride. Uh, don't rue about the what ifs. You know, I wish I was there. Or I wish we were there. I wish they were here. Um, it is what it is. Um, the support from Islander fans has obviously been incredible and boisterous and the players and the coaches they know that and they hear that and they see it uh so somehow some way this has i think made the bond between team and fan base stronger which is already hard to do for those who know about the islanders fan base it's it's certainly not the biggest but it is certainly one of the most intense and it's something more of a throwback feel uh, it, when it comes to the grand spectrum of professional sports today where teams are trying to be global brands more than representations of their hometown. Um, and I think the Islanders are one of the last true teams to be able to do that, uh, especially here in North America. So um, I think that's what makes this even more special. Uh, you know, I think, you know, we're both speaking on an Island right now that, um, is filled with people who are very prideful of where they live, and uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna love any team that represents them uh, in, in such a way. And for the first time in a very long time, there is legitimate reason to be proud of this team. And here we are. So, like I said, enjoy the ride, and let's uh, let's see how much farther it goes. So. I told you about this last night. I had a um, a very surreal moment that felt like was set up by not just the hockey gods, but specifically the Hockey Gods Bureau of Islanders Affairs. Now, 
you know, and I'm certain many people listening know about the New York Islanders history with Wendy's Chili. It's a great one. And if the Islanders were to score three goals in a game, fans leaving the Nassau Coliseum were awarded, if they stopped at a Wendy's on the way home, they were awarded a cup of free chili. And, of course, I believe it was the 1980s when there was the famous double chili game against the Rangers where a representative from Wendy's said, if the Islanders score this many goals, we will do double chili. Fans get two free things of chili. And surely enough, the Islanders came through, and at the Nassau Coliseum, there was a chili, chili, chili chant. So... Last night, as I mentioned, just like you, I had difficulty sleeping. So I decided to run out and pick up some Wendy's chili. I thought, what the heck? Why not? And also, it's very good chili. There's no doubt about it. When it comes to fast food chili, can't beat Wendy's. This is not a paid advertisement. That's my personal take on it. But I went to the one near... Hempstead Turnpike, just as I did growing up as a kid going to Islander games, where they would score three goals. And me and my buddies, my mom would pick us up from the game at the Coliseum, and we would go get chili for free on our way home. And I I pick it up, and I park in the Marriott's far parking lot where you can see the Nassau Coliseum. Just wanted to feel close to the action, and And just kind of let everything sink in. And I know it's going to sound very, very silly. But as I'm working my way down this thing of chili with crackers. Wendy's is very generous when they give you crackers, by the way. They give you three packets. That's six crackers for one thing of chili. So you're in very good shape there. Again, not a paid ad. Just my my thoughts and feelings. And... uh, I have music on low in my car. I have it just on shuffle for my entire old iTunes library. It was just in one of those moves. And there are several thousand songs on that shuffle playlist. And I'd been playing it through my drive there. So it's about, I would say, I don't know, maybe 15 songs in. And as I'm just wrapping up, looking at the Nassau Coliseum, Tonight Tonight by the Smashing Pumpkins comes on. And for anyone that doesn't know, when the Coliseum was given its farewell tour in 2015, during the playoffs and the final regular season game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, the New York Islanders made a fantastic video just highlighting all of the fond memories and all of the best moments in the franchise that took place in that Coliseum. And... I kid you not, out of thousands of songs, that's the one that popped on. And it just stopped me dead in my tracks. And and for one moment, it all just kind of hit me at once in a way that it hasn't hit me this playoffs. It all just felt so real in that one moment. Every memory I've ever had at an Islanders game from being a little kid celebrating my birthday there, to blowing all my going out money at Hofstra University to see game six against Washington or 2013 against the Penguins when I was embarrassed on TSN because I didn't hit the smash car outside the Coliseum hard enough. It just, it all hit me at once. And I know 
I know that I have a knack of cursing teams whenever I say something's going to happen. But this was different. If anything, last night at about 12.26 a.m., down a Wendy's cup of chili, there will be no Mitchell curse tonight. And I know this sounds really, really silly, but I got a feeling it's happening. I got a feeling it's happening. I got a feeling it's the Islanders tonight. And there's not going to be a curse on that. Well, if you are into superstitions and into all of the connections, um, which, I mean, there was there was a ton of them there. Uh, I, I can't blame you for believing in that. And who am I to try and dissuade you from that perch? Uh, so with that, I think I will, I, I will wish you good luck. Um, I originally predicted that the Islanders will win this in six. Here we are in game five. Um, and hopefully, well, I shouldn't say hopefully, I think a lot of Islanders fans are hoping uh, that my prediction maybe was one game too long. Uh, so we'll see. And maybe there is some magic still left in that Wendy's chili. So, Is it bad that I haven't discarded the cup yet, just in case there has been a revelation, not just for the Islanders, but perhaps my sports cursing? I'm going to be honest. I mean, there has been uh, – I got a ton of feedback. I was actually asking last week. Um, I asked Islanders Twitter about some of their superstitions because I think a lot of sports fans are very superstitious, even if they don't want to admit it. Uh, so I kind of asked them about their rituals, whether it's before or during the games. And some of the things that I got to see uh, or some some of the things that the folks revealed to me uh, – you know, we as humans are creatures of habit, and I think they're, you know, all of these people, they all think that the little things that they do, as trivial or as innocuous as they seem, uh, they do their part. They help the team. Uh, I think that's why a lot of people, when they refer to their teams, they say things like, we, or we won last night. Oh, we lost last night. Oh, this is a big off season for us. I wonder who we're going to draft. Um, and again, it's you kind of find that identity more, and, and I've dealt with a lot of fan bases, obviously, and unfortunately most of it has come through social media, which, again, um, if you're not on it, there's no rush to get there at any point. Um, but you, you see it a lot more with Islanders fans. It is that collective we, that us. Um, so if it's something like a cup of chili or wearing the same shirt or eating the same pregame meal, or I won't forget somebody wrote, I punch my dad, <laughs> uh, you know, um, and, and the dad was okay with it. He's like, yeah, he, but he loves me. Uh, um, you know, so be it. Um, whatever everybody is doing, it certainly seems to be working this postseason. Uh, and again, if you're an Islanders fan, keep it up, I guess. Uh, this has been quite the story. And uh, what a what a way to break a possible 27-year conference final drought than by doing it in this fashion, uh, especially in the unlikely situation that we've seen, uh, especially when this team looked dead in the water back in March. So, um, you know, what's... 
What's an Islanders Stanley Cup run amongst the craziness that is the crazy of 2020? Now, Joe, I have a question for you. Uh Uh-oh. You talked about other people's superstitions ahead of games. Are there any of your own that you would like to volunteer now? Well, I, I, again, I really don't have it anymore. Um, unfortunately, what comes with the territory of being a sports writer, and I was actually just talking about this before on, on, uh, on Twitter, um, what comes with the territory of covering New York sports uh, is that you kind of have to take the fan card and the supporter card out of it. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a fan anymore. And again, 12-year-old Joe would have found a way to get in a time machine and come beat me up. But it's just, <laughs> it's the fact of the matter. Um, and again, I, I alluded to this before. Um, I think what gives me probably the greatest thrill about this entire run for the Islanders, um, and it's something that I wouldn't have been able to experience had it not been for this horrible terrible, no good pandemic. Um, I've been able to go to my parents' house because, uh, again, my parents and I, we've been uh, staying responsible and, and staying safe and wearing our masks. Um, I've been able to go to my parents' house and watch these games with my dad, uh, which is something that we haven't been able to really experience for the last seven or eight years as I've kind of covered this team and worked my way up through the, the sports writing ranks here in New York. Um, and in a series like this, under normal circumstances, I'd be shuttling back between Long Island and, and Philadelphia. Uh, so, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to have the opportunity of watching these games. And again, growing up, like most of us here, um, my father was the reason why I got into sports in the first place. And every Tuesday and Thursday night uh, over the fall and the winter and the early portions of spring, we would either be on our couch or we would be at the Coliseum and we'd watch the Islanders together. And it was, you know, it was just one of the many sports things that bonded us over the years. And because it was, our hyper-local team. You know, I grew up in North Massapequa, and I'm lucky enough to still live here. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just one thing that we had and we were able to bond over. And I think that's what's been the best, is seeing my dad's reaction, because he is still a die-hard, bleeding blue and orange Islanders fan. Um, I get such a kick out of him still getting worked up over these games and, and, and seeing his team, his boyhood team, uh, kind of reached the heights that I think a lot of us thought that we wouldn't see for a long time. And, and trust me, it's been a long time, especially for him and for a lot of folks in the generation before us. Um, so I guess my superstition, I guess, if you want to call it that, um, when really it's just me trying to work, um, is going over my parents' house um, and, you know, writing my stories and, uh, and taking my notes and transcribing my interviews, um, you know, in my, in my childhood living room uh, with my dad kind of hooping and hollering. So uh, that's, that's certainly been a thrill. And, um, you know, I think it's something that I'm going to be able to cherish for, uh, for a very long time. There is a very touching part of this that, 
in your case and also in my case. I didn't expect to be watching these games from my childhood home in Massapequa either, but here I am. And to be able to do that and have it come back to the place where it all started, that is a very silver, a bright silver lining in everything going on this year. And like you and your dad, my dad and I have had a similar thing. And whenever we're watching an Islanders game together, we think back to when he coached my deck hockey team at Marjorie Post Park. And then we we start talking about that. And then my mom will weigh in and and find pictures of me as an eight-year-old kid at the Coliseum or something like that. And this team brings people together. This team brings Long Island together in a way that nothing else can. You feel like you're a part of this family. And I remember being at the Coliseum in 2015 when at the time we thought that was it because we had every indication to know that the Coliseum appeared to be closing for good. But in those playoffs, the Islanders right before things got started, they put a graphic on the screen that I will never forget that made me feel like I was part of the team, like we were all part of the team. And everybody in that arena played a role in what was going on in a way that after covering the New York Yankees and after being in so many different places, I've never felt closer to a team. And when I say team, I don't even mean a sports team. I mean a unit of people, 16,000 strong in Nassau County. This graphic just simply said, down this tunnel, they can hear you. That, I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it. That just reminded us that even though, and like you said, fans love to say we, everybody that's pulling for this Islanders team still has a role. And they may be in Toronto, but I promise you they can still hear you. They can still hear you right now. Everyone earlier today at about 12 p.m. at the Blue Line Deli, when I went in to get my Blue Liner, I got it a little special. I got it with no dressing, and I got mozzarella on it instead of uh, the usual American cheese with the grilled chicken, or breaded chicken, pardon me, and bacon. But everybody on that line, and the line was to the door, was all wearing Islanders gear, head to toe. Like it, like it was a ritual. Like, like it, it almost felt like a Catholic church where people were going to receive communion. It, and that's, that's what this team means to so many people, especially in a year like this. And to any national media that want to continue to poo-poo the Islanders like they have over the past several years, just remember what New York has been through. And maybe, just maybe, like everyone, including Yankees fans, wanted to see the Red Sox win the World Series in 2015, 2013, pardon me, after the Boston Marathon, or how everyone became Yankees fans in 2001 after 9-11, and so on and so forth. Just remember what this is going to mean to New York. And for a lot of people here, if things go as planned starting tonight, this may be the only time some people cry tears of joy in 2020 on Long Island, and in New York. It's more than a game. And I don't say that lightly because so much is going on. But this is more than a game for so many people. 
tonight, it's, it's not quite there. But if things continue, we weren't alive for it, but I imagine to a degree, that's what the miracle felt like. The nation needed something to believe. Well, New York needs something to believe. And what better than the New York Islanders to believe in something? That's what the franchise is. That's what we're all about through everything. And I'm going to quote Journey. They don't stop believing. I think, as you said, we're looking at a team of destiny here.